Welcome to Founders and Friends, the company podcast for Tally Foods, hosted by its founders, Kyle Watts, John Gabizadeh, and Dr. Susan Marie Flugel. Welcome, John, to Founders and Friends' first episode. Thank you for having me. Brought to you by Tally Kids, the product yet to be launched, but that takes up so much of our time. So yeah, as you said, I just got back from a colonoscopy pickup with my friend, which was interesting because it makes me feel old, man. It makes me feel old. I've known this kid since high school, and then all of a sudden, um, I'm picking him up from the hospital from having a colonoscopy, so that tells he's me... He's doing all right? Yeah, he's doing fine, but it's just like, okay, I'm 35 now, I guess we're doing colonoscopies. <laughs> So it's all good though. Um, how's your day going? Good, good, busy. Always, uh, always things to do. Eighteen hours yeah. a day. Yeah. Do you really work eighteen hours a day? I know that. I really. It's. I really do. <laughs> so, I, I mean, your email stat, stamps don't lie. So you must be. But I, I am, I guess, curious. You wake up at what time? I wake up at six. Okay. And I'm working till one. One in the every morning. Day. Every day. Six days Jeez a week. Louise. Five five days a week. But you know what? Well, Elon you... Musk Elon Musk says it's a proven fact. I mean, you know, uh, the average person works forty hours a week, right? But the one that works more hours or chooses more. And that's absolutely true. The one that works more does what more? Achieves faster, uh, so so if someone was going to work forty hours, right, and you and, and you're working on a project, right, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's basically going to go faster if you're going to uh, work instead of forty hours a week, you know, seventy hours a week, right? So mm. uh, that's the that's the mentality that I, not that I got from him, but but by by doing that I actually was was listening to his uh, interviews and you know uh, it, it makes sense. I mean, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, he just built uh, bedrooms in the Twitter offices, and he's getting like in trouble for that because it's like a commercial <laughs> real estate building. You're not supposed to sleep. You're not supposed to sleep where you uh, have an office legally. I love it. I love it. I love it. But like, you're also an efficient worker, which means that your output is high because I've worked with a lot of people in my life, like, and like. I wouldn't always say that working more is better if you're not working on the right thing. But you just feel like you have so many tasks to do every day that that's like what keeps you up or are you working on like strategy stuff till 1 a.m.? Like what do you... It's a combination you... of, a, of everything, right? So basically the, the day before I, I put in writing basically everything that I'm going to do for the following day. Everything when it comes from like, you know... Uh, you know, I have my list right here, right? So basically, everything yeah. as far as your... <laughs> it's a little old-fashioned. It's, it's handwritten still. <laughs> I love it. I'll give you a quick glance at it. But this is what it looks so like. So you basically. write this You write this every night? I'm, I'm kind of neurotic, yeah. I, I, I write it every day. It takes me about a good hour to regroup my, my thoughts on, on, on every topic, such as like... You know, important things that need to get uh, paid, basically, as far as like yeah. collections, as far as like people's job functions that I that I work with, right? As far as buying, as far as selling, as far as 
uh, you know, anything design work and co-packer related. So all that stuff I write and I execute the next day, right? Like, like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like a mission. So basically, uh, you know, that, that's what it is. Uh, have, have everything outlined in writing and just execute day after day. And every day those notes accumulate and you take those notes for the next day until you, you know, you accomplish and achieve what, what it is. That's the key. <clears throat> that's absolutely the key. Like, it's called bullet journaling. That's what the cool kids call it. And uh, <laughs> you've been doing it for years. But yeah, it's the notion of like, so I, I use my journal here. And then you always push tasks forward that you don't mm-hmm. accomplish. That's that's the key to productivity. That's it. I mean, if you don't do the task, you have to have a, a, um, a system in place where that task gets pushed forward. And then once it's pushed forward in your bullet journal or whatever you do with these pages, you only cross it off when it's done. Exactly. Exactly. So you come in every day at 6 a.m. organized, ready to fire off against your mission. Every day. Going to, every day. After going yeah, but, to bed at 1 a.m. Literally, yeah. So you, and... And also get get an hour's worth of exercise every day. That's that's key because that stimulates the mind. It does. Like, what do you do for that? When do you sneak that in? Uh, around around five o'clock, okay. five p.m. Good. Same. Yeah. What is your workout? I'm, I'm, I'm the same, man. I'm an I'm a <clears throat> evening workout person. Um, before we decided to go broke and launch Tally, I had like a really expensive gym membership, which I miss a lot. F45 um, was my go-to four days a week, five o'clock class. It was just the best. And now I work out of this cave, basement cave. And then I have my, I'm like, my Peloton is like right next to me. So that's all you need. But John, we're so broke that um, I had to cancel my Peloton membership. So it's so sad. (laughs) I literally talk to you all day talk about tally and then i go <laughs> and i got this bike and i don't have like the classes it just says just I, my only option is like to do the free free ride and um it really hammers home <laughs> like <laughs> the, the entrepreneurial journey get used to it it's it's it's, it's going to continue this way for for a little bit yeah it is amazing how like my spending has gone down tremendously since like getting off of the W two lifestyle. Like I never thought I could just like eat lunch for free every day, and now I do. I haven't bought lunch in like two months because we don't. I don't have an income. I know that you have simply eggless, but I don't have an income. But we're making it work, man. It's 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 all right. It's you know it's sacrifice, but you you know you're the opportunity and, and, and what you got yourself into. So at the end of the day, uh, it's going to be good. It's just a matter of time and, and, and fighting every day until we get there, right? Exactly. Just fighting every day. Before we leave the workout thing, what, what's your workout? You do, you do a, a stationary bike as well? No. So what I do is I do – so I do basically – I do four days, four days, four to five days a week workout – those five days I do a thousand calories I burn on the elliptical and nice that's a good that takes a good 45 minutes exactly it takes anywhere from 40 to 45 right that's impressive on day four I do 
800 push-ups. No. 800 push-ups. My brother-in-law tells me to do a blog in one of those men's journal magazines, but you know, I, you know me, I'm not the type of person that does that stuff, but basically I do, uh, it takes me two hours to do it. I do that, and then day five I do about uh, 200 pull-ups. I just started that. That's crazy. So you're in like pretty good physical shape then. I, 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 I keep myself in good shape, yeah. I, I you know, stay on a good diet. Uh, keep keep working out every week. So thank God, it's very important for you know entrepreneur to to be able to to do that. Plus, I'm a Type yeah, A I'm, personality. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Type A. Which one is that? I always get them confused. Um, the neurotic type, I think. Okay, so you're neurotic. So yeah. I think we've accomplished that in the first seven minutes of founders and friends. <clears throat> but you know, you're productive. Your neurotic, your neuroticism is productive. I didn't realize you, that you worked out that much. I I thought you were one of those like zero workout people. To be honest, not that like you look bad. I just <clears throat> first of all, I haven't seen you in person since March. But I just thought that you were like work all the time and then Tito's or Hari. <laughs> I, I, thought that, I, thought, I thought that was your release. <laughs> t- t- working out is for sure, but Tito's is number two. But now my new thing is Haku. Haku is really amazing. The one that's you also the, bought. That's the rice vodka. Yes. It is sad how I'll be in the Peloton and I'll be like looking forward to like the drink after the Peloton. <laughs> do you do the same thing? Because like I'm not impressing anybody. No one's going to see me. Like I'm doing it for my mental health, really. And clearing the cobwebs and i do think better when i'm when the when, when the brain goes into that fight or flight mode like amazing thoughts definitely come through absolutely it, it creates like a deep hunger and uh because like the hardest thing is like for entrepreneurship for me is like <clears throat> like the the solo almost like lethargic journey through the day where it's like there's no paycheck waiting for us at the end of the day. And so like sometimes the work can feel meaningless and some days it's good. Some days the work feels very meaningful. Like we accomplished something today. And then some days you're like, dude, I just Instagram messaged like a hundred allergy moms. And like one of them wrote me back, like, what am I doing with my life? You know what I mean? And so the exercise at the end of the day, I'm like, yep, that's what I gotta be doing. Stay stick on the path. It's Okay. You know what I'm saying? So what you're doing is is grinding, and that's you know that comes only passion makes you grind, right? You can't do it out of force. So, but at the end of the day, that's that's what's going to make make us win, right? So I I, when I launch a new product, I basically send an email to you know one of the distributors list of buyers, which is like five hundred, six hundred buyers. I'm takes me eight hours to do it, literally. But at the end of the day, I might get ten responses back, and I do it again the following week. You know, you get you get thirty responses, but then once those guys take it, basically another thirty take it. So you know, you have to start somewhere, and that's that's the key to entrepreneurship, right? You have that idea, uh, you know, you have to execute. So you have to start somewhere, and that little seed becomes a a flower, a tree, right? And you have to keep mm-hmm. you have to keep keep it push keep pushing it forward. Yeah, you have to keep pushing it forward and being like motivated every day, and be and being organized. Honestly, must like it's 
it's been a while for you, but like I used to just roll into work like some days motivated, some days not, right? And if you're not motivated that day, like you would just end up talking with your friends or like or the other thing is about work that I've realized is total BS is like meetings. Like meetings are inherently like not productive. Like just because you met about something doesn't really accomplish anything. And that's one thing since being an entrepreneur with you that I've realized is just like nothing matters unless you like actually do something about it. Like you can talk about it and like, but like action is like the only real work that there is. Like that's right. That's right. It's, it's very easy to work for a company and like go to a meeting or like do one or two things and call it a day. And with this, it's like every day you have to be, be grinding every every day, Uh, every day. And there's not one day for me. And you'll see also once things start, going to the market as far as the products mm-hmm. or tally mm-hmm. you're going to see that there's not one unproductive day the only unproductive day that i have is if i drink too much the night before right and i can't yeah. focus yeah. that next day so yeah uh, yeah you know 100%. what i mean by drinking too much i'm become old now so if i have five shots as opposed to my limitation of three i'm pretty much yep. shot the next day so uh, yeah, that makes me unproductive, but you'll see every day you're going to be productive and you'll see, I told you before we started that, yep. you know, you're, you're, you're going to be working at nights and now you are, <laughs> I'm getting emails. Yeah, from you at everything, yeah. Everything that you said is pretty much <clears throat> come true. So that's <clears throat> a good and bad thing. Cause a lot of the things you said were, were more o- omens <laughs> than they were like <laughs> blessings. They were like, Hey, uh, your life's about to change. But, um, yeah, with the drinking too, like, yeah, I've been trying to drink less as well. And, uh, and yeah, for me, it's five as well. (laughs) Coincidentally, it's like, I can have a couple glasses of wine, but if I have three or four and the other thing, John, I'll say about like alcohol or, or just really like lethargy, whatever might be caused uh, by is that we have to be so creative every day. Like if you show up to this job this self-assigned job like without your a-game like you just described like nothing happens and then your anxiety is 10 times worse because you're like i just ruined a day there you go every day matters for us hearing that hearing that i know you're you're you hit the true entrepreneur entrepreneurial mindset you're absolutely right because you have to be on your a-game every second of the day right and most importantly, yeah. like you said, creativity—that's what that leads. Uh, you know what I mean? Your your, your daily mm-hmm. success, right? Talking in meetings with buyers, with with whatever, you know, figuring yep. out to do things differently if, if the dilemma comes up, right? Uh, so so you're you're on point. Yeah, it's it's that you have to create your own spark. You have to create your own magic. Um, and I think that when people do their best work within a company, they're honestly doing the same thing, which is just they're not accepting the, what's given to them as being the only facts in play. And they are going out and creating their own facts like they're going out and cre- like today, like we had a meeting with Brennan, a new PR p- potential partner for the company. And like that came because I was like reached out and like went and found her like same thing with a bunch of things that you and I have done. It's like you literally have to create your own magic. Like no one's gonna be like, Hey, I, um, I want to do your PR for you. Like no one even knows about us. Like we have to create every last thing. Exactly. Everything we we create. (laughs) 
Um, that's right. There's no there's no ro- there's no roadmap, right? There's not no one. There's no nothing that's going to tell you go this way, go that way, right? So basically, you have to find no your roadmap, way. right? <clears throat> there's no roadmap, and luckily with your experience, like you've created a roadmap for us. But I'm sure that you've had painful mistakes in the past that you learned from that we're avoiding that I don't even know about. So that's a great part of our team is like your experience. Um, Absolutely. Definitely have many years, 20 years since I started entrepreneurship where I've, I've learned a lot in life and, you know, I apply that, uh, you know, to, to future, uh, opportunities that I, that I embark on. Well, I guess that was a long way, a long intro, uh, listener of what we're doing, which is, this is the Founders and Friends podcast. Um, I'm Kyle Watts, and this is John. Uh, I always forget how to say your last name. John G. <laughs> just go with that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're the founders of Tally Kids, and we're just friends as well, you know, and that's why we wanted to call this Founders and Friends. You're talking to two people who have been in the business for a while and decided to launch their own plant based milk brand called Tally. And with that, we've learned a lot and we have a lot to share. And so we're going to talk from anything from entrepreneurship in general to plant-based entrepreneurship because we're launching a plant-based milk called Tally Kids um, to life and surviving and sort of just how you become a successful entrepreneur or like us, hope to be successful soon. So the way I look at entrepreneurship, um, then I'll let John go, is like you're just trying to prove a thesis correct or incorrect as quickly as possible ideally and with as least amount of pain um as possible but there's really no way to control for either honestly because you're at the whim of the world right like if you have an idea and you want to pursue it it it'd be great if you could know if it was going to be successful like immediately right it would save you a lot of time and pain but unfortunately that's, that's not how it works and so like john and i after i left my last company you know, we were friends before we were founders and uh, we had this idea, right? Like, hey, like, what about a nutritious plant-based milk for kids? And literally ever since then, it's been six months, five months since late August, we've just been trying to prove that hypothesis, true or not. And we're just now getting to the point, right? We're just now getting to the point of like being able to produce the product and, and release it in January to the online stores and then hopefully grocery stores to see if we have something. And how do you, how do you view entrepreneurship, John? Uh, you know, I never really thought about that. I just do it. Yeah. Right. So I think I was innate born. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm lost the words here. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, I, I personally, you know, I, I, I've been born an entrepreneur. I never worked for anyone in my life. Never. Yeah. I, I always. That's crazy. Really? Never. Never had W-2? Never. You've never right. had W-2? Never. Never. That's crazy. So, I mean, I, I, awesome. I, 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 you know, have a, have a vision, have an idea, take that and make it to a, from, from, uh, from, from concept to tangible product to, you know, to, to market. So. That, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, your your background's interesting. Um, you were born in Iran, and then you left with the fall of the Ayatollah, or am I getting that right? Yeah, that's right. The 80s? Okay. 
Yeah, so I, I was born in February 79 in Tehran, Iran. A Jewish Iranian Capital, right? family, yeah. Uh, you know, basically at that time there was there was uh, a revolution going on and the Shah, who was basically uh, a, a ruling at the time, uh, was being basically pushed out and he left and my, my family basically at the start of the revolution at that basically time, February of 79, uh, uh my mother actually was giving birth to me. She would tell me that uh, in her in the hospital, basically there was gunshots in the window. So uh, there was a lot what? of yeah turmoil. Uh, you know, there was a lot of problems with religious uh, persecution. So our family basically was one of uh, many Jewish Iranian families that left, and my father basically smuggled us out. He chartered a Air France <laughs> jet. And flew his family members out. Uh, some extended family too went to Amsterdam, and from there got our visas. Went to Israel for six months, and basically, my father knew of this happening in '78 because things were getting bad. He bought a house in New York, so uh, you know we came to New York from there, and been here since. But uh, Iran, wow. Iran was a beautiful country. It was basically a free country and, uh, you know, people, uh, entrepreneurship was huge then. Uh, people had the liberty to uh, walk freely, women especially, without wearing hijab. Uh, it's, it's mandatory still right now. And, you know, obviously what's happening now is, is people are... So, so going back to 1979, when the revolution occurred, there was a baby boom and uh, at the time, the population was like 25 million in Iran. There was a baby boom. And, uh, you know, up to 2009, uh, there was a green revolution. At that point, 40% of the population was uh, below the age of uh, 30. And, you know, today, uh, roughly 60% of the population is below the age of uh uh, you know, 40, 45. And these people are the wow. ones that want... 60% is below age 45? Yeah, so these are the people that want the revolution. And and then right now, as you see, there's a lot of turmoil and hopefully soon a revolution to overthrow the government's uh, the Islamic, Islamic Republic. And hopefully if that happens, you know, it's, it's big for Iranians all around the world. But, that is, that's... Don't have a crazy. I mean, you know, my family, as long as uh, as well as other Iranian families, left everything there. You know, my my family had real estate, businesses, basically an empire. They they had to leave it all, literally one day, and just come here because of uh, the, you know freedom. They were they were families were wealthy. You know, they had everything. They they were. My father had the largest, one of the largest paper companies there. Actually, the largest there. Wow. He started it. You know, at 16 years old, he leveraged his mother's jewelry. They were very poor. And, you know, he bought a bankrupt uh, paper business. He grew it to the second largest in Iran after Kimberly Clark. And basically, uh, you know, uh, I got my, my, my entrepreneurship from him, basically. Right? My, my, uh, everything that I <clears throat> learned was from him. 
Yeah. And so he had to literally, your, you said your uncle went to Amsterdam and then you guys came to New York and you're, and he had to leave that business behind? Like Left it. The, literally, 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 the government actually came one day. Like, give, me, give me a picture. Yeah, sure. Yeah. One day the government came and they interrogated him. And, you know, basically uh, the Islamic Republic was taking over all the businesses owned by, you know, Jews. So, you know. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back it up. So you guys were targeted because you were Jewish? Yeah, for sure. Wow. For sure, yeah. I mean, you know, my father had a thousand employees. You know, he was only at the wow. time 30, 33, 33 years old. He had an empire there, and basically, the you know, the the, the revolutionary police came, and they told him, <clears throat> you know, asked him certain questions, and it was getting dangerous. My grandfather told my father that we got to leave tomorrow. Literally, like within that week, left everything, furniture, house, jewelry, left. Left, left the country. Holy smokes. Yeah. Because the alternative was knock on the door at 2 a.m., your dad's gone, and he's he's interrogated, tortured, killed. Right. Potentially. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes. I'm trying not to swear on this podcast. <laughs> Golly gee. Golly gee whiz, John. That is a, that's a story. The Iranian team was in the World Cup, um, protested, what are they protesting exactly? Uh, Iranian team was in the World Cup, and they didn't sing the national anthem on the first game. And because yep. basically they were they were supporting the protesters in Iran by doing that, they were the voice, international voice uh, for the Iranians. But that backfired on them because basically the IRGC, which is the inter uh, Iran. Iran Revolutionary Guards Corp, which is the most powerful organization behind the uh, Supreme Leader, basically threatened their families in Iran that if they don't sing the anthem on the next game, they're going to be uh, tortured, their, their families in Iran. So they actually went to the next game and had to sing the anthem. But basically, uh, they were doing that to support the protesters that are protesting in Iran now. What do you want to see for your home country? Uh, absolutely, every day looking at the news throughout the day, seeing what's 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 happening. I mean, what we want, everyone around the world, you know, Iranian of all religions that 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 actually left after the revolution is uh, they want to people want a revolution now. People want to topple the current regime. You know, we we want we want freedom for them, and we want to be able to go back to our homeland. I I, I can never go back. My family was blacklisted since we left and you know we've had family or people that went back they were kept by the government and you know basically uh they were jailed so it's very dangerous to ever go back so we all want to see this regime out right we want we want to basically uh a, a free iran wow makes sense that um is so tangible for you like in the sense of you could literally not travel to, because I know that just a month ago you were in Israel and we were chatting and stuff and on a crazy time delay, but we still got work done and everything and you had a great trip. I didn't realize you couldn't go back to Iran. No, no, That's, no. And, and you know, even, even when wow. you fly to Israel, we only fly LL, 
because any other airline would fly over Iran, right? And it's very risky because there, there's been instances where, you know, literally when I was in Israel, there was a flight going to Uzbekistan from uh, to, 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 to somewhere, and the flight had to emergency land in Iran. There was an Israeli on the plane, but because of international law, they're not allowed to do anything, but it's very dangerous. So we fly only a lot. It's a, it's a very dangerous country. It is, and I hope that, you know, that, that obviously I support you and your family, and I hope that it can work out for the best for, for that beautiful country. I've heard nothing but great things about Iranian ingenuity and music and they like culture and books and movies. Like I was, it was a couple of years back, but I remember I was listening to a podcast and they had a Iranian guy about your age on. And um, he was just telling all about the tech and he's like, we get such a bad reputation as being conservative. He's like, we're not conservative. We're very liberal in our views and in our attitudes and in our desire to explore the world, right? And I think in the U.S., all we see is, right, that supreme leader that, and we think Iran is bad. You're, you're, you you're know, right. Nuclear. You're right. Wait, wait. And it's like the youth of Iran are so, you're so, go no, ahead. No, no, no. You see what I'm saying? You're absolutely right. What, what, when there's, when, when this revolution is toppled, when this government is toppled, there's, an, there's a revolution, you're going to see Iran will be one, become one of the, one of the richest countries in the world they're going to rise quickly the the youth are smart they're they're hungry they're energetic and they'll make things happen right iran is a country with rich resources besides oil and it's just everything's sleeping right now right so uh this regime has to go fast let's talk about what you brought over to the u.s with you which is let's talk about food which is what our business is and so you know, you, 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 there are some things that don't leave, right? Just because you're in a different country. Um, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your traditions with what your mom and cooks or your dad cooks is probably still traditional meals and the best, the chickpea, right? They're probably the best. I have no, what is Iranian cuisine? <laughs> Tell me before I sound, sound stupid trying to guess. So, so when you're in New York, uh, you'll, you'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, treat you for a home cooked meal, but uh, you, you mentioned the chickpea. That that is yeah. one of the, you know, it, it's it's uh, uh, it's one of the most important foods in, in the Iranian culture. So you know, Friday nights for the the Shabbat or the Sabbath, every Iranian Jewish household makes something called gondi, and that's basically okay. chickpea balls. Right, so it's just okay. it's chickpea balls with veal, and it's the most delicious thing in the world. And uh, it's like a soup also with chick pulled chickpeas in it. And you know, it's 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 in a lot of cuisines the chickpea. So that's where the idea for the chickpea came from for the chickpea milk. I remember when we met. And I remember you mentioning, oh no, I remember what it was, John. I, it was that it was hemp. It was first we talked about hemp, and we were like, first it was lupin actually, because you use lupin in your Simply Eggless product. Go to trysimplyeggless.com to check out John's amazing um, egg, egg free egg product that's competing out there with just, he has it in Trader Joe's stores nationwide, um, and also in um, Wegmans. 
And uh, where else do you have it, John? It's it's mostly in the East Coast, right? We're, we're in about four thousand stores across uh, eleven countries around the world. We just uh, we just got another five hundred launching in January in Canada, Loblaws. But basically, oh, you got Loblaws, nice. Yeah, Loblaws nationally in Canada. But uh, I mean, we have a variety of uh, uh, egg egg plant based egg products, liquid egg. We have patties. We have uh, egg sausage cheese, all plant based, and an uh, egg. Sausage, cheese, sandwich as well. Uh, so you know we have uh, retail, food service, and you know that that brand is uh, two years old. It's really flying right now. Um, you guys should get that in Costco. I think that'd be. I think that the 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 bag you showed me of the egg bites, like the ready to eat two ounce little egg bites, like those sous vide egg bites you get at Starbucks. You have that bag, and then you also have the bag of the sandwiches. I think that's perfect for Costco. We are launching the we are launching the liquid in Costco in Q one, so uh, that that is happening. Nice, <clears throat> nice. The poor the poor liquid. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So what what powers yours is is the lupin bean, um, which allows his simply eggless eggs to like fluff better than the main competitor out there. Um, just who uses a mung bean, right? John? That's right, mung bean, right? Yeah, and so John and I were talking. I had left my last company, and I was just kind of rambling and ranting. I was like, "Man, it really pisses me off that the plant-based milk market has like zero nutrition in it, and like doesn't even try to deliver any nutrition. <laughs> Whereas, like the main reason people drink milk is because they, they like the taste." But the reason that people drink it is because it's nutritious. And I remember just telling you about that. And you were immediately, of course, going to problem-solving mode. And you're like, well, the lupin. Like, we should do a lupin milk. Like, <laughs> lupin is the future. And I was like, what the hell is lupin? And I, I looked it up, and it's like, there's like purple lupin and lupine. And I, I mean, I'm not, I think we tried it, too. And it wasn't bad, the lupin milk. You did whip up a batch for me, I believe, back in, back when we first started chatting. Yeah. Right? And then we switched to hemp. Hemp. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to do allulose, which is a very up and coming sweetener, with hemp, because hemp was extremely white, as I recall. Yes, the hemp was like impressively, like guys. If you actually, listeners, if you actually um, drink plant based milk and like you pour it into a glass, like it's not white. <laughs> at all but this hemp milk was yeah hemp hemp protein is bone white it's bone, bone white. white it's beautiful yeah it is it's beautiful it is but then we decided we, and it tasted pretty good too it tastes amazing but then again the problem is mothers feeding their kids hemp right I problematic know. i know it, it would it wouldn't have worked it wouldn't have worked so then maybe in california or something <laughs> even there i don't think a mother wants to feed their their precious child, uh, you know, something that they, they don't know much about, right? Mothers, they don't know hemp protein, whether it has any, any I don't know, THC, whatever you call it, right, that gets someone high. Right, so, right. So, you know, it's a risk for them, so it's a question mark for them. So after that, uh, landed on the, on, the, on the beautiful chickpea, chickpea milk. I cannot remember. I have a horrible memory, so probably terrible podcast host, but you... Okay, that's good to hear. So you, 
you were telling about an Israeli company called Chickpea. Shout out to Chickpea. Great, great company. Nice people over there. Um, and you were able to corral a sample. Actually, you're pretty good. And honestly, John, I think it all just went from there. I think you just got your hands <laughs> on some Chickpea. And this is actually where I want to talk about starting a business real quick. Because it's like, <clears throat> this is what I've always admired about you, John. And this is why... This is actually like when I realized that I could do this. Like, so everybody has an idea. Yeah. The the magic of John is that he will immediately take action against that idea and find the next actionable step to take. So, for example, I recommend anyone who wants to do anything. And Kobe Bryant actually said this as well. He said, break things down to the smallest possible piece. And just focus on that piece and then move on to the next smallest possible piece. And what he's basically saying is break the problem or the the timeline down to what you have to do now and don't get stressed about the future. Just do what you have to do now. And that's how you get a business off the ground. That's what you taught me because what you did is you, we talked about chickpea and then the next day you had ordered chickpea. Like you, you had purchased it and we're like, Hey Kyle, yep. Got, got the chickpea. It comes in next week. I was like, "Oh, all right. I got. I got. I guess we're doing this." You know what I mean? And it was so cool to see that. That's why people are successful. You don't procrastinate. You take action, right? You follow through, and that's that's what makes people successful. And 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 and, and it's no, no. That's that's really what it is. Uh, I, I've done this, you know, with many many products where the suppliers. You know, from a baby company that I had, you know, when I was doing yogurt or even before Eggless. And basically, you know, these suppliers support entrepreneurs and getting them free samples and getting them what they want. So never did I ever get a no, I'm not sending it to you. You know, maybe you have to send emails twice, three times, four times to get a response. And that's also the other thing. Be persistent and just keep pushing and pushing until you get a yes. But basically, uh, you know, that, that that's what it is. Uh, just, just keep, uh, you know, pu- push, pushing uh, suppliers, and they get you get you get samples. So never, never did they never was it because of what I have now where they supported Interesting. it. Interesting. Never. I so that's just a learning for me. I had no idea. You know, I had just no idea how. I assumed like seriously, like I I assumed that. I was so used to working for bigger companies, I think, that I just assumed that the minimum order quantity was ridiculous. And, like, no, I didn't realize that they would, like, play ball with you. And, like, these are great suppliers that we talk to. Like, these people are brand names. And four months ago when we started this thing, I just still couldn't – I thought it was because of your credibility. But you're saying no. No, no, not at all. I mean, it, it's basically these, – these suppliers also – keep in mind, Kyle, that – they know a company that starts out doesn't have capital, doesn't have, you know, the demand for their large MOQs. So they built, you know, smaller volume uh, brackets as well, where where startups can can afford it and 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 make it work. You know, t- to this point, also two people came to me. This was last last summer. They said they wanted to start a, a bar, right? They gave me an example of the bar in market. And they uh, said, uh, uh, like not a, like an alcohol bar, like a 
like a, a like a snack bar snack bar yeah and and they they showed me the the product that they like and they want to copy and mm-hmm. uh, they said I don't know where to start from I put yeah. I put a formula together for them okay and I told them the suppliers to go to they went to them and I said you know they didn't respond what should I do I said keep emailing them getting a response after two three four emails they all responded they all sent them samples. I taught these guys how to formulate, and now they have a bar they're going to market with, right? So literally, uh, anyone can do it. It's just a matter of having that idea, that vision, and following through. But it's hard to have that if you think, if you assume something is like impossible, or it's just hard. I I mean, I think a lot of people can kind of relate to my repetitive, I'm repeating myself, but I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like, sometimes you need someone to tell you, oh, no, just email them like a fifth time. Like that was helpful for me from you. I don't know where you learned that, but it was probably twenty years ago. But like, I, yeah, my my my, my, um, prob- my problem is I, I I can't stand a no, so I just keep keep bugging someone until I get a yes. So that that's just persistency when it comes to like you know harassing these people to get samples or to get at a sales account or whatever it is, right? Just keep going till yep. you get that that yes. One thing I've learned through this process since um. We started in late August, early September to now is like, and it goes with what you just said. It's being persistent. And then like, you have to put yourself out there to the extreme. Like you have to be all in. Like I'm 100% convinced of that now. And it's so, so much so that like I've raised tens of thousands of dollars now from my friends, like from my friends, I have asked them for money and I wasn't asking for it like ashamedly and I wasn't asking for it like just without offering them anything. It was like a a great investment in this company, but I wouldn't have had that confidence if I just wasn't all in about it and like just so persistent with what I believe what we're doing. And so I think that like that attitude that John describes of like, I won't take a no, like that also that same attitude gives you the confidence to like, do things you never thought you would do, that's, like raise $50,000 from your friends. That's right. It's, that's it, right. I don't know if it's like hubris or what. I, it's it's a mix of both, right? I, I, I appreciate the, where, you know, where, you, where you came from and where you are as far as you know, working at, at companies to having that entrepreneurial mindset and that risk that you, you, know, you basically took from you, know, you, you, know, you, you quit your job, you were looking for something and we spoke and basically, you know, you said, I, I, we, you did it, right? Most people, they're scared, right? right? People have to, have to pay their bills tomorrow, right? I mean, if, you, if you're going to, if you're going to do something like this, yeah. you don't know when you're going to get to get a salary back again. So I, I commend you for basically taking that, that leap of faith and that, that risk. You got balls. <laughs> I, uh, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Before, yeah, I appreciate it. I, I'll tell the listener or I'll tell the, I'll tell you exactly what happened, man, or girl or whoever's listening. Like, so before you quit your job, take out a loan with the bank because you will not have, um, or you can be rich and that's good for you, but I'm not rich. Right. So I took out a huge loan from a bank because I still had W2 income. So that's a little tip for you guys. Like if you are going to start your own thing and you want just alone and remember alone if you don't spend against the loan all you end up paying is interest right so it's like if you take out a 
let's say you want to start a company. And let's say, you're like John and I, you start it in September, right? And you think you'll start getting revenue in January. So you need like six months of, of, of immediate cash runway. Before you quit your job, I would recommend looking at taking out a personal loan and don't spend it. Like treat it like it's a backup and you'll be able to sleep at night. You'll be able to feel so much better just having like, for me, I took out a $50,000 loan. I haven't really used it, but just knowing it's there has given me the confidence to like move forward, right? It gives me some room to operate. Now, if I had not done that, if I had quit, started tally with John, and then applied for a loan, wouldn't have got it. It would have been like, you have zero income, right? Because I don't have a, they pull your your um, credit immediately and see that you don't have a job. So founders, if you're looking to quit, seriously, look into a loan. Um, also make sure that your housing situation is straight. And I, I'm serious. Like John and I are fortunate enough to live in houses that we have purchased cause we're a little bit older, but like if you're looking to buy a house, like keep that in mind guys, like it's really going to be very hard. Like we're looking to move from Denver to Michigan in the spring. Um, we live in Denver now, Haley and I, um, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, we might have to rent, right? Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to buy a house there because I won't have like a traditional income. So like, just keep that in mind. And also like, if you have, you know, looking for an apartment and they want to see income, like when is your lease up? Like if you have a lease coming up in two months, like you might want to wait to like quit your job until you lock that lease in. So those are some tips. Just keep your life events to a minimum. Um, Another tip would be like, medical insurance like hopefully if you're not if you're not married just you know think about it have a plan for that take care of yourself take care of your body take care of your spirit um you don't want to be getting sick you don't want to be like i wouldn't recommend like that trip to mexico right like without medical insurance like what if you get sick and montezuma's revenge and you have to go to the hospital you got bills like that can totally derail an entrepreneurial like journey and uh I feel like the entrepreneurial journey is extremely fragile in the beginning. Like John said earlier, it's like a seedling. I would say it's not even that strong. Yeah. It's like, it's like a piece of, it's like an ornament, you know, like a Christmas ornament that you just have to sort of hold in your hands and like, just, you have to be serious about it. You have to treat it like a precious baby. You cannot be going on crazy ski trips, risking a leg break, anything can derail you in those early days. Wouldn't you say, John? Well said. Well said. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is, that's what it is, a baby, right? You have to treat it like a baby, nurture it like a baby. And, and that's why, you know, when you own it, you, 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 you're worried about it all day until it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's running, right? And it's, and it's solid. So maybe that's, that's the reason why I work a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it is, yeah, paranoia. Yeah, for sure. And, And just why, yeah, I think everybody gets it. We both work a lot because we want to be successful with the company and you got to be on it. You can't just, it's not a W2. Let's talk about the beginning of of Tally, the very first thing we did, because this is something I'm passionate about. Every, this is sort of like a thesis, right? It's like a Kyle Watts like thesis coming at you, John, like, and you can agree or disagree. But this is the first thing we did. And I'd be curious to know if it's the first thing you did in every one of your companies. Once we had the chickpea, 
Well, first of all, once we decided we wanted to get into plant-based milk, which we'll talk about in a future podcast, like all about plant-based milk, and I'll go on my soapbox about that. Um, But once we sort of knew we wanted to do a plant-based milk for kids and a a very nutritious one, and then John found the chickpea, the first thing we did was design the brand. Is that the same? We literally talked to Nick Longo, great designer out of California, and we didn't do anything, if you think about it, except focus on the look and feel of the brand. And it was really just a PNG file. Like we were just like looking at different fonts and different colors. And we designed the package first. And I would recommend that to anybody. If you have an idea, get it on paper, look at it, tweak it, modify it, and make sure that you can like are proud of it and like want to like make this your life. That is, at least that's what motivates me. I know that you said at the time, John, that you didn't think the brand name really mattered. Do you still feel that way or? So, so answering yeah. your first point, uh, for me it was formula. So once we basically uh, confirmed the chickpea at that point, then I was, was first thing for me was getting the formula done, right? So uh, that was the first priority. And uh, definitely in conjunction packaging with that as well. Yeah, those things went in conjunction, you know, like that's the thing. Um, Because like, I think what you're suggesting is sort of not true. Like it wasn't like you were like the tally name and the packaging design and everything that the public will see in a month. That was all being worked on while we had a formula that didn't taste great. Like, so you were like constantly working on the formula to make it taste better. And then we were all working on the the brand look and feel at the exact same time. Correct. Yeah. And you asked the question, I yeah. didn't answer. Sorry. Regarding the name of the company, uh, I yeah. I'm, I'm I'm happy with the name. I think it's it's yep. it is important. I I I'm, I'm I didn't I don't emphasize too much on that. My forte is not necessarily, uh, you know, the 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 branding. Right. I'm more on the formulation. Uh, side in my opinion in my, in my expertise so uh, that really came from you the tally name yep yep me and Nick right. me and Nick Longo and that's where I think it's important for other founders and I'm sure that's probably an obvious point but I just want to repeat it that like make a great product but like the first thing you should do is like make a great brand and a beautiful brand a beautiful package um that yeah, you, make, you, you can make, be proud you make, of you that. make a good point kyle that that i never realized it because probably that's routine for me but that package motivated you right as a as a first entrepreneur to to, to own that yeah. brand to love that brand right and 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 make you think about the opportunities that uh, uh, that what can be may may come about right so if you think about it, that makes total sense. That's the first step. It's kind of like what you said earlier, where you kind of like don't take no for an answer, and you kind of fake it till you make it. It's like if you let's say Tally wants to get into Costco, the 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 way we're going to get into Costco in two years is through a PNG file. We're literally going to show. I promise you, because we've done this before, and you just did it. I'm sure with simply eggless, John. And we did it for Tally. It's you create a concept of what you're going to make, and you need to like illustrate it and get a designer and show it. And we're just going to go show that to Costco. And then if Costco accepts it, 
we'll go make it. We'll figure out a way to get that thing made. You, know you, you I mean? just said the magic words, and I want everybody to hear this. We'll figure a way to make it. This is where some people fail. And let me explain this to you. And I want everybody listening to understand this and hear this and repeat, it, repeat this over and over and over and over again. Figure a way to make it. Most people, right, you can't see beyond or, 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 or comprehend that, right? Sometimes it's hard to put the cart. What's the expression? <laughs> the, 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 it's hard. Uh, the hard cart before the, cart before the horse. Yeah, yeah. So in this case, that's what I do in my, my businesses. And people disagree with me. But that's the risk that I've taken that, that took us to 4,000 stores, right, the, 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 that grew our sales 4x from last year. Basically, right? You have to you have to be able to take that risk, and 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 do these kind of things, uh, and figure. You know, my, my father always says, uh, you know, uh, you walk the way, the way the way will find you, right? The way will come. Hmm. Walk the way, the way will come. Uh, it's a Farsi expression. Uh, it sounds better in Farsi, but basically, you know, uh, it's the same logic here. And I'm, I appreciate that that you you understand that as well. It's very very important for success of a company because you can't you know say oh we don't have money today therefore you know we can't launch into Costco's tomorrow or Wegmans or whatever. Let's wait exactly. till let's wait till we raise two million dollars. Right, that could be two years later. What's going to happen? You have two, three, four other people competing, making the same product by then. And you're gonna lose your chance. Yep. Freaking do it now, yep. right? Get it and figure a way to raise that money, or figure a way to make that product if you don't have a co-packer. So you have to you have to take these kind of risks to be successful. There's there's no, you know, you can't be by the book every time. That that makes people fail. Also, honestly, when when you're big and you're doing tons of sales and you have an organization, you can operate by 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 you know organization. But now you have to you have to you have to you have to do all these things, take these risks. You always have to be a half a step or ideally a full step ahead of yourself. Like, like I remember like when we had no money, we still don't have any money, but we each put like, I don't know, 10 grand into this thing. Right. And we called up the number one plant-based milk co-packer in the country. (laughs) And I was sitting on my back porch Listening to you pretty much act like we were the shit. (laughs) You were like, hey, Mr. Number One Co-Packer that everybody knows, we're going to be big. Look at – oh, this is goes back to the other point, John. Look at our packaging. Remember? We said, hey, look, look at our package. Look at this shit. This shit looks good, right? And people were like, yeah. You know? Look at this. We're going to be big. And then we just went right into pretending like we were a foregone conclusion. <laughs> I didn't know you realized that. It comes so naturally to you. You probably don't even realize how much bullshit you actually spew sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I was sitting on my back patio. It was like early September. We had just deposited money into the account. And you were talking to Mr. Copacker, who was extremely has a much better things to do than talk to us. And uh, we were like, yep, we're going to produce in December. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Can you, you guys can get us line time in December? Yep. Okay, cool. Hey, you better. And you were like, you better. You were like, send us the agreement. We're going to hold you to it. And I was like, Jesus, John is just laying it down. And then 
we secured that line time for December back in September, and then we raised the money. That's right. And then, and then we had the serious conversations of, "Hey, Kyle, you know, I really need you to tap into your network, and I'll do the same. And we got to go raise some money to make this happen." And and it, we didn't sit around and wait to like. Kyle, remember you got to go create the action and then catch up to there it. There you go. Well said. Do you remember when 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 we uh, had to? I, I I always would tell you, Kyle, it always works out. I, I, yeah. Kyle, don't worry, it always works out. And you you I, you would ponder that, but now you, I think you you see it too. It always works out, right? What I mean by that is, you figure a way to make it happen, right? You you put your you put deadlines in every every project that you do. Right, and and you make things by that time frame happen. Even such now, right, that we got the line time. We're making sure that everything arrives prior, right? That 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 we make sure that all all, all of what we have planned with the website, with with uh, whatever it is, is going to be is going to be live by that time, right? So that's the key. Yeah, that's a good point, John. You create you by having that mentality of cart before the horse as a principle. You create deadlines for yourself that you. Will not miss. You will personally never miss That's them. That's right. Because that, that would be like insulting your co-founder and like insult. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why would I miss that deadline? I'm not going to be the one that causes the... I'm, I'm not going to be the one who didn't do my job. So that does help a lot to create deadlines. Um, we got to wrap it up for this episode. I, I always want to end these podcasts with you, John, when it's just you and I, with like what's going on like right now. And like we can keep filling in people with the history of the company, but like... I just, I'd, I'll lead, I'll lead. And it's just kind of fun, I think. So today is December 8th. Um, book recommendations I have is definitely uh, Founder Brand by Dave Gerhart. I read that this week. It's all about building a brand um, and using your expertise as a founder to sort of like reach out and like not just always talk about the product, like talk about yourself which is kind of what we're doing with this podcast, to be honest. So Founder Brand, I read that this week. John, did you read any good books this week or see any interesting articles? And then we'll talk about what's going on with the business. Unfortunately, uh, I did not read a book this week, no, but I'm going to focus for the next time to read one. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. So um, what's going on with the business right now, it's December 8th, as I said. We have a delay in one of our ingredients. Uh, Monk fruit is one of our ingredients. Um, I won't, can't disclose like who the supplier is, whatever, but, um, but our chickpea, uh, is going to arrive at the plant tomorrow or the next day. It just got in from, it just got, uh, it's on the, it's, it's on the road to the plant right now. Uh, our packaging arrived to the plant. I posted that to our Instagram drink underscore tally. Um, very excited about getting that beautiful package that we've been talking all about. You guys can go to our Instagram and look at it and our website, drinktally.com. That arrived at the plant. John, you've organized everything else is there, right? We're just really waiting on this damn monk fruit, huh? That's it. Cool. All right, guys. Have a good rest of the week. Um, John, we will catch up again later tonight over tally stuff, and then we'll catch up over podcast again, hopefully uh, at least one more before the holidays. Absolutely. It was a pleasure.